Life Church. Thank you for joining us this morning as we worship together. Thank you even for the, the singing. Now it feels like Christmas, you know. Now it feels like Christmas. Um, and just a quick announcement. If you don't have any plans for Christmas Eve, um, Carrie and I are opening our homes for an open house uh, Christmas Eve dinner. So if you are not having any plans, you are welcome to join us. Please uh, come and speak to Kerry um, so that you can at least uh, register. We have a little link and a registration form so that we can plan accordingly who can bring what so we can all enjoy together. So if you don't have plans Christmas Eve, uh, please come and join us at our home for Christmas Eve dinner. Over the last couple of weeks, one week already, we are doing a different sermon series, as you can see, The Gift of Christmas, Good News in Troubling Times. And uh, we've been looking mainly at the incarnation of Jesus. And today we continue along that same theme, but today we will be looking at Luke chapter 2. If you would turn there with me to the Gospel of Luke, and we will read from verse 1 to verse 20. The title of my message this morning is The Reason for the Season. The Reason for the Season. So Luke chapter 2, we will read the Christmas account from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Please pray with me. Father, this morning we want to praise you. We want to glorify you for all that we have heard and all that we have witnessed. Father, we are thankful for this season where we get to remember the very incarnation of Jesus. We know this is a truth that we need to believe. We know this is a truth that's been revealed to us in the Scriptures. And Father, we are so grateful for that day when you became flesh and dwelt among us. And Father, we want to draw closer to you today. We want to learn more about your character. We want to know you more, Father. And we pray that your Spirit would teach us and would help us to comprehend these wonderful and amazing truths as we come to the foot of the cross. Lord, please, we pray that you would teach us and your Spirit would help us to understand and help us to embrace you and glorify you and praise you the way you deserve to be. So we pray for your help this morning. May your Spirit please be our teacher. And I pray for you, your help today as I preach your word. May none of your words fall to the ground today. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So there's a German philosopher whose name is Ludwig Feuerbach. He said this, um, he's no longer around, but in 1841 he, he made this comment. He said, God is not a reality outside of us that we can trust and obey. Instead, he is a projection of our own needs onto reality. He says, God does, not create, God does not create us, we create God. Well, that is the question every one of us faces every Christmas. Is this story of the incarnation of Jesus, the very Son of God, becoming human, born of a virgin, living a life of sinless love and dying for sinners, that all who believe might have eternal life. Is this story a creation of human imagination because we, we need it to be true? Or is it true and therefore we need to believe it? And the answer to that question is more important than anything you will think about this Christmas or for that matter all the rest of your life. Does our sense of need for God and forgiveness and help and hope cause us to create God? Or do we all have those needs because we are in fact created by God and have rebelled against Him? And one of the ways to go about answering that question this morning is to listen to what the Bible has to say. Why the Son of God came into this world. You see, I believe that this book is inspired by God Himself and is therefore very powerful to vindicate its own truthfulness. Charles Spurgeon, who was called the Prince of Preachers, he once said, The Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. 
John Piper once said, when people give the Bible a chance, the result is often that not believing what it says becomes a moral impossibility. And I pray that will be true with you this morning. If you have any doubts about the incarnation of our Savior, as we examine what the Scriptures have to say about this very important doctrine. Well, let's read a few verses again from Luke 2. And I'm going to focus on these few verses to help us see what the Bible has to say about the birth of Jesus Christ. So Luke 2, verse 11. The Scriptures tell us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Sadly today in our culture and in our age, there are many people who choose not to believe these words. And of course, there are others who will believe lies. They will choose to believe lies. And at Christmas, we are confronted with this dilemma. Do we believe lies or do we believe the truth from the Scriptures? There is a lot of confusion around Christmas. What is Christmas all about? And what is real and what is not real? A couple of years back, we were invited to a family Christmas lunch. And we were told specifically, not to mention that Father Christmas is not real. Because there were other children there who were into Christians and they were in love with Santa Claus. And we were told that we are not allowed to tell them that Santa Claus is just a fictional character. I couldn't... Anyway, that's a long story, but I won't go into details. But the point is, there is a lot of confusion, isn't it? What is real and what is not real around Christmas? But as we look at the reality of Christmas from the Bible, let's examine the true story, okay? Let's look at verse 11. I want us to see clearly, number one, that this was a real day. It was a real day. It tells us in verse 11, For unto you is born this day. It happened on a, on a real day, a day in history, not a day in some mythological parallel universe or an imaginary story, but a day, it says in verse 11, when Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Real historical facts. It was a day planned in eternity before the creation of the world's. Indeed, the whole universe, with untold light years of space and, and billions of galaxies, was created and made glorious for this day when Christ would enter humanity in the flesh. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 tells us, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or, author or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Notice there, for Him. 
for His appearance into this world. Because this is the day of His appearing. This day that happened in history. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. This is the day it happened. This is the day it happened. The perfect day in the fullness of time. In Galatians 4 verse 4 there is a wonderful reminder that there was a set planned time for Jesus' arrival. In the Old Testament there were many prophecies that were made that were pointing to the coming of the Messiah. We know about that. But the one thing evident, however, is that no one knew the exact moment, the exact time that this would come about. They looked for Him in anticipation. They waited for His arrival. But only God knew this perfect time when it would happen. And we know it did. Luke chapter 2 verse 11 tells us it did. For unto you is born this day. The perfect time appointed by God before the foundation of the world for the Son of God to be born into this world. It was a real day. Secondly, it was a real city. It was a real place. Verse 11, look again at verse 11. It tells us, In the city of David. In the city of David. It happened in a real city. Not in Narnia. Not in Middle Earth. Not on planet Vulcan. Not in a galaxy far, far away. It happened in a city about 2,500 kilometers from Abu Dhabi. And the city still exists today. If you go to Google Maps and look for directions to Bethlehem, you will see that it would take you approximately 28 hours to drive there by car. The city is real. The city is real. The city's name is Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is six miles from Jerusalem. And Bethlehem, the, the city where Jesse lived, the, the father of David, the great king of Israel. Bethlehem is the city that Micah prophesied about. In the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, tells us, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. It happened in a real city. It happened in a real day. It happened in a city just like Abu Dhabi, just like Shakput City, just like Khalifa City. But thirdly, it was a real Savior. It was a real Messiah. It was a real Lord. 
Luke 2, go back there, look again, look at Luke 2. It tells us in verse 11, it tells us a Savior. Firstly, it says, a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. If you have ever sinned against God, you need a Savior. The angel said to Joseph, in Matthew 1 verse 21, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Only God can save us from our sins. Only God can forgive us from our sins. And that is why God sent the eternal Son of God into the world, because He is God. And that's why Jesus said, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And that is why a Savior was born. Look at verse 11 again. It says, a Savior, but it also says, who is Christ. Look there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. Christ is the English word for Christos, which means anointed one, which is the meaning of Messiah. This is the one long predicted anointed one, the long waited Messiah, the one anointed above all others, the final anointed king, the final anointed prophet, the final anointed priest. In him all the promises of God are yes and amen. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20 tells us that. All the prophecies in Him were fulfilled. He would fulfill all the hopes and all the dreams of godly Israel. And more infinitely more. Because He is also, look at verse 11, not just Savior, not just Christ. What does it say in verse 11? Lord. The Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the ruler. He is the sovereign. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father, the Lord of the universe. Look at what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 9. We read that earlier this morning. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So let me summarize what the Bible says here about Christmas. And let us exalt this morning in what the Bible says about Christmas. Let us exalt that Christmas, this Christmas story revealed to us in the Bible, is not a creation of human imagination. The Christmas, in sto the Christmas story is indeed true. And our hope and our faith is based not on fictional characters or fictional kingdoms. Our hope and our faith is based on facts. The facts that the Lord is the Lord of this universe. 
He is the Savior of this world who entered this world at a particular time, a real time in history, in a real city, to become a real person, to become flesh, so that He could pay the ultimate price to redeem us from our sins and to take away our guilt and to fill, fulfill our hopes and to defeat all of our enemies and to make us safe and satisfied in Him forever. We have a great Savior who is Jesus Christ, the Lord, born on the day in the city to save us from our sins, our many sins. But let me draw a few applications for us this morning as we conclude this message. Recently on Facebook, I saw two posts of pictures of Santa Claus. And the first one was a cartoon of a, a little boy on Santa's knee. And the boy was looking at the, the bearded man in surprise. And he asked Santa, where are you in the Bible? And that was a, a light-hearted reminder to me that human imagination is something we need to be careful of. Uh, David works at Warner Brothers. And the whole theme park is about human imagination. You can go there and meet the fictional Superman and the fictional Batman. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> There's some debate about that. And even and even Bugs Bunny and even even the Flintstones, isn't it? And you can have a wonderful day of entertainment. Nothing wrong with that. But where we need to be careful is when our imagination starts creating and designing our own version of God. And it starts here with Christmas. It starts here with Christmas. This Christmas story is based on facts. It's about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. About God becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. We need to be careful of being deceived and allowing our children to be deceived. Christmas is not about a man in a red coat with a, with a big white beard. The real Christmas story is about the Son of God coming as a human, born of a virgin, living a life of sinless love, and dying for sinners that all who believe might have eternal life. Now before you respond by saying, Oh, Pastor Gareth, you're just being a, a fuddy-duddy, you're just being a killjoy, or you're telling us that Santa is evil. Well, before you answer that question, okay, let me share the second post that I saw on Facebook. The second post was a photograph of a, of a billboard in New York that had a picture of Santa Claus. And under that picture was a picture of Jesus on the cross. And the caption read under Santa, Keep the Mary, M-E-R-R-Y. Keep the Mary. And then under the picture of Jesus, it says, Dump the myth. Dump the myth. Under Santa, keep the merry. Under Jesus, dump the myth. Well, the second post is a much more sinister and openly blasphemous and intentional attack on Christ and his, his, in, and his incarnation. But we shouldn't be surprised by it. We need to remember that Satan will do everything that he can 
to try and get us and our children to believe a lie. He is, after all, the father of all lies. And if Satan can convince our children that Christmas is about being merry, M-E-R-R-Y, and it's all about reindeers, and it's all about gifts, and it's not about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, then he has won the battle, hasn't he? The New Testament authors wrote with a profound awareness of the spiritual battle that, that we are involved in. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, he exhorted them in 2 Corinthians 2 to not be outwitted by Satan, for they were not ignorant of his designs. The Apostle Peter, he repeatedly warned Christians. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The apostles didn't want us to be ignorant of Satan's designs. And here's my last example that I hope will help you understand how, how intentional Satan's designs are. And how important it is for us as Christians to remind our children and to remind ourselves of the true biblical account of Christmas. This article appeared in an issue of the Episcopal News, the Diocese of Los Angeles, and it was written by a Reverend Benison, who is a churchman from the rector of St. Mark's Church in California. And this is what he says. There are a few Causes to which I am more passionately committed than that of Santa Claus. Santa Claus deserves not just any place in the church, but the highest place of honor, where he should be enthroned as the long-bearded ancient of days, the divine and holy one whom we call God. Santa Claus is God the Son. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. And he says, this simply refers to God the Son slipping into the secrets of our hearts as easily as he slips down the chimney of the house. And then he says, Santa Claus is God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, in whose hand is a pack of bursting at its seams with gifts of his creation. Santa Claus is God the Holy Spirit who comes with the sound of gentle laughter, with a shape like a, a bowl full of jelly, to sow in the night the seeds of good humor. Santa Claus indeed deserves the exalted and enthroned place in the church, for he is God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. So there he is, he concludes. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. I've seen Santa in the toy store, I've seen God in the toy store. I've seen him in his car on the freeway, and when I saw him with his crazy beard and his baggy red suit, I saw more than the seasonal merchant of cheap plastic toys. I saw no less than the triune God. End quote. I hope you are as flabbergasted as I am to hear those words from a church man nonetheless, saying that Santa Claus is the incarnation. Now what confusion! In what confusion are we living 
in our day and age. And from the clergy, no less. How far can you miss the real Christmas story? So far that you believe Santa Claus is the incarnation of the Triune God? Do not be outwitted by Satan, folks. Don't be deceived by his designs. Because he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Folks, I'm not here to bash Santa Claus this morning. I'm here to lift up the name of Jesus. We don't earn good gifts from a fictional character by, by being good. The scriptures tell us that by grace we are saved through faith in the incarnated Jesus Christ. This is the gift of God. Not from our own good works. The story of the Son of God coming as a human, born of a virgin, living a life of sinless love, and dying for, for sinners that all who believe might have eternal life. Is this story a, a story of human imagination because we need it to be true? Or is it true? And therefore, we need to believe it. Don't let the great reality of Christmas, His incarnation, be obscured by the, the tinsel and the commercialism of modern day Christmas. Scripture reminds us today that for unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He is the ruler he is the Sovereign. He is the Mighty God. He is the Everlasting Father. He is the Lord of the Universe. He entered into our world at a particular time in real history, in a real city, in order to become flesh so that He could pay the ultimate price to redeem us from our sins and to take away our guilt by offering us forgiveness and reconciliation with God. We have a great Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, born on a day in a city to save us from our sin, from our many sins. Do you believe that? In response to the German philosopher Ludwig Feuerbach, we did not create God. God created us. And He created us, why? To glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. And I pray that you will be totally satisfied in Christ this Christmas. And that the real reason for the season will fill you with living hope this Christmas. Next week we will look more at this good news of Christmas as we spend some more time examining His glory revealed through this peace that He brings among us. But for today, I pray that your faith is in the real, incarnated Son of God who came into this world to save us from our sins. May that be true of you this morning. And if not, please come and speak to us. Come and speak to me after the service. And let me show you from the Bible how you can be forgiven of your sins by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we want to praise you this morning. We want to give you all the glory that you deserve for all that we have heard 
for all that the, the shepherds heard, for all that they have seen, for all that we have seen revealed to us in your scriptures. Father, may we not be deceived by the devil. May we be reminded this morning that he is a real adversary that walks around seeking whom he can devour. Lord, may our hope and our joy not be found in the the marketing of Christmas, the commercialism of Christmas, may it be found in your Son. May our hopes and all our joys be found in the Son of God who came to save us from our sins. Help us to dwell on that this Christmas, Lord. And help us to respond to you and to this truth that we meditated on this morning with much joy. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name.